Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. So before we move to the next slide, quick question. How many of you guys know our church mission statement? Any, 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 okay, a couple of you are like, I might, I don't know. What is it? Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so what is it? Well, that's a good question because this is, this is actually the, the place that we start as a church in deciding what we're going to be doing any given week. And, and some churches, you know, maybe it's like to have flashy lights and great music or it's to have good coffee and, and uh, a clean parking lot. I, but for us, our mission, the thing that we are wanting to do as we gather here and, and work together every week, every day, from here until Jesus comes back, is to know God and make Him known. That is our mission, to know God and to make Him known. And that, that mission really comes from what we call in Scripture the great commission, the great, uh, the, the thing that Jesus commanded us, commissioned us to do as believers. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and the very beginning of 20, Jesus says this to his disciples who were following him immediately, but it also pertains to us because they were supposed to teach it to the ones that they were raising up as disciples to teach to the next disciples. And so it's this line of discipleship, of, of followers of Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And so we can see in these, these two verses, these elements of knowing God, you must know God to introduce others to him. And then we're charged with making him known, going out and telling the world about God, about our Savior, Jesus Christ, in order to make new followers of Jesus, who then will know him and make him known to the world around them. And so this is supposed to be, in church life, an endless cycle. And it's what it's been for 2,000 years, this cycle of believers who share the faith and New believers are born. They come to right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, come to know him better. And then they share their faith and new believers are born. And it's supposed to happen like that on down the line until Jesus returns. And so that's what our mission is, is to know God and to make him known. And, and we follow after Jesus who says, make disciples and baptize them and teach them everything I have given to you, everything I've commanded to you. So maybe we need to answer some questions, though, this morning, because it's the beginning of the year and we want to recenter, we want to refocus and say, what are we here for? Why do we come every Sunday? Why do we, we participate in church life? What is it that's expected of us as people who are here? So let's answer some questions. First of all, let's answer, what is a disciple? And, and there's a couple other questions. How are disciples made and what are we supposed to be teaching them that we'll get to here in a second. But what is a disciple? And we could raise hands and, you know, have a, a shot at some answers. But a lot of us have this kind of mindset that there's like some, some, some inverted pyramid where there's, there are Christians and, and you can be a Christian, but then there are the next step up 
disciples. And, you know, then if you're a really good Christian who becomes a disciple for a while, then maybe you can be a saint. And uh, maybe we'll get like a bobblehead made out of you and everybody will. Anyway, I digress. The the thing is, is, is in Scripture, what we find out when we read Scripture honestly is that all of these words are used to describe the same people. That if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And if you are a disciple, you're a Christian and you're a saint. And, and how do we know this? Well, there, there's really just one simple verse we can point to and say in Acts chapter 11, verse 26c, the last little bit of verse 26, Scripture tells us this about the history, that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, here's something important for you to understand. The first time followers of Jesus Christ are called Christians is in Antioch, here in Acts chapter 11. And when we, when we break it apart and look at the time frame, this is roughly A.D. 42, in the year of our Lord, 42. Thirteen years after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So for 13 years, if you were a follower of Jesus, you were called a follower of the way or a disciple of of Jesus. But you wouldn't have been called a Christian. Because for 13 years, followers of Jesus were not called Christians. It isn't until we get to Antioch that they're called Christians. Now why is this significant? Because if you look at this inverted pyramid and we think you can be a Christian without being a disciple, then what we have to understand, if that's the case, for 13 years there were no disciples at all because they weren't called Christians yet. It, it, it just, it's mind-numbing to think. You, do you understand? Do you see? For 13 years the followers of Jesus were all his disciples. It took 13 years before they, they got called Christians, little Christs. Took 13 years for that to develop. And so you cannot be a Christian without being a disciple as well. Every Christian is a disciple and every disciple is a Christian. If you genuinely believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not just a Christian who may one day be a disciple. You are a disciple of Jesus. What is a disciple? Well, it is a follower it is someone who looks at the leader and wants to model themselves after them, who, who, who will uh, follow their life and their teachings, who believes something unique about that leader. And we believe that Jesus, he is the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah who came and lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, was risen on the third day and then ascended to be at the right hand of the father. And because we believe that we follow him. And everyone who follows Jesus is a disciple. And every Christian is a disciple. And every disciple is a Christian. So now that we know what a disciple is, we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, if I am a follower of Jesus, if I call myself a Christian, if I believe on him as my Lord and Savior, guess what I am? I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. There's not some sort of next level Christianity waiting for me when I'm ready to get committed. No, you are a disciple. And so if you are a disciple, you have been made by someone else leading you to Jesus, the Christ, teaching you. You were baptized, hopefully, as a believer. 
And now it's your job to follow the commands of Jesus. And what are you supposed to be doing? Well, you're supposed to be making disciples. Well, how are disciples made? Is there like some magic wand that we wave and we go, disciple? Is, is there some, some sort of, of song that we sing? Is there some magical prayer? Here's what Jesus says, right? He says, here's how we make disciples. As you go and make them, here's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be baptizing and teaching. This is how disciples are made. They're, they come to know God. They are baptized in an act of repentance and obedience. And then they are taught the truth about the faith. And guess what they get to do next? They get to go and make disciples and lead others to Christ and baptize them and teach them. So there is this process that is supposed to be ongoing where disciples go out and teach people the gospel, baptize them, and then teach them the totality of Christ's teachings to live out. And that leads to that, that, that person making a new disciple, sharing the faith, seeing them baptized, teaching others. If you are a disciple... You should be in your life reaching a point where you share your faith and you will see others in your life trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, seek to be baptized, and learn more about Him. This is the process that should be going on in all of our lives. And this is not to condemn anyone. But this is to say, as a disciple, this process should be going on in your life. As a disciple, this kind of thing should be happening where you love Jesus. You've been baptized. You've learned all that you can about him. And now it's time for you to replicate yourself, to share the love of Jesus Christ, and to see a new believer be born as you share the good news of the gospel with them. And so what are we supposed to, to, to or how do we make them? We, we share enough with them that they're ready to, to make a commitment to follow after Jesus, to be baptized in believer's baptism, and then to learn more about him. So then, then we come to the question, well, most of us understand what baptism is. Baptism is that act of obedience in which we, we're, we're dunked under the water. And, and in doing so, we identify with Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and His church as our new family, our new community. We're dead to an old way of life and raised up to a brand new life in Christ Jesus. So we understand baptism. It's a pretty cut and dry, one-time thing. But what is it that we're supposed to be teaching? Because it feels like churches all over the place have different ideas about what they're supposed to be teaching. Right? It's, it's really easy to find churches that tell us that, uh, well, here's what's most important in the Christian life. You should be happy. Everything should be perfect. You should have lots of money. You should be healthy. Or maybe it's, you're a worm. You're terrible. We beat you down. Uh, you know, we, we have different ideas about what we should be learning, it seems. And so is it critical what we teach? Is it critical what we believe as Christians? Is it important that we not just have some, some basic rudimentary understanding of the gospel, but that we continue to grow in our knowledge of doctrine and truth? And I'm going to say to you today, I think it's critically important for us to follow after Jesus and to continue growing in the truth of doctrine and his word. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26, Jesus is, is speaking to the disciples. He's, he's telling them what it takes to follow after him. And, and in 9.23, he really focuses in and says to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, if anyone wants to be a disciple, 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So we come to this place where if you really earnestly want to follow after Jesus, if you want to be a genuine disciple who, remember, to be a Christian is to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to be a Christian. There is no distinction in Scripture. There is no Christian light or disciple light where I get to just follow Jesus in, in the ways that I like, but not really. But in Scripture, it is, I follow Jesus or I don't. And so if you genuinely want to be a disciple and follow Jesus, here's what he says. If you want to follow me, you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now you might wonder, what does he mean? Because I don't like crosses. Uh, I've seen the, you know, the passion. I know what happens when you've got a cross and you're carrying it down the street. right? I understand what the result of that is. But that's exactly what Jesus means. Because what he is inviting all of us to do is to join him on this journey. You see, he walked the journey once to pay the price for sin for all of us on the cross. But now he's asking us to replicate that journey in our own lifestyle and in the things that we do and the choices that we make that we might follow after him. Not to a literal cross, but to a daily death of self, a daily recognition of our insufficiency, a daily recognition of our need for a savior, a daily recognition of the fact that we need to know him better today than we did yesterday, a, a willingness to give up ourself like he gave up himself on the cross, and then an all out following him to the best of our abilities in any given moment. And here in our church, we've kind of tried to express this in a way that we can understand a system, if you will. Sometimes systems can just be a mess, right? But, but most of us, we really like, well, what's my next step? What do I do next as a disciple? What am I supposed to do next as a believer? I feel like I've achieved this. What do I do next? And so Jesus, in, in Luke 9.23, has invited us all on this faith journey. And so he says, if anyone would follow after me, if anybody wants to be my disciple, he must first deny himself. In other words, change what you believe and begin to believe the truth. All of us have preconceptions. We all have philosophies. We all have things that we, we have in our mind about how the world should work and what's right and wrong. And Jesus says, first step is to abandon all of those things and learn what I have to say about them. A lot of us, we look at the world and we go, that's fair, that's not fair. And Jesus says, the first thing you do is you get rid of all of your preconceptions and you believe what I have to say. Then, then take up your cross daily to be willing to belong to the community of faith, to sacrifice yourself for the needs of others and ultimately come after him, follow him, to reach out to others and then to multiply yourself and create new disciples by your faithful living and witness. And so... This faith journey, it, it, it results in, and, and some of you guys have seen the t-shirts over the last couple of years. You, you see it out in the foyer, and it, it's kind of just white noise at this point. So it's time to remind you why this stuff is out there, why these tools are in front of you. Because I'm challenging you, the elders are challenging you, our church is challenging you to make a move on this faith journey this year. 
To get to a point where you believe rightly, you belong fully to this fellowship, you are beginning to reach out to others, and maybe even if God gives you the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone and make a new disciple, to multiply yourself. And that's how the church grows. And and I'm not talking about putting more butts in the seats here. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the fellowship in heaven and eternity that we have to look forward to. The way that that grows is when we all embark on and grow in this faith journey. To where we, we get to a point where we're seeing new believers born. Because we've grown and we've matured over the course of the last year. Now... Today, I really want to focus in on this first thing, to to believe, to deny himself, to deny yourself. Here's what it really means to believe in this context. It is to rely on God and his truth in order to reorient your life. There's no simple way to say it, but on our own, we are pointed directly to an eternity of damnation and punishment. On our own, that's where we end up. Our own decisions, our own choices end us up in God's wrath and punishment. And rightfully so, because all of us would choose to rebel when we choose our own way. All of us do it. And, and what it means to believe is to take and say, everything I thought was true, I'm going to put it aside and see what God's word has to say. I'm going to reorient my life around genuine truth as revealed to me in God's word instead of my own desires, my own preconceptions, my own mindset. And, and, and so this becomes a place where you say, it's not me anymore that determines what's next. It's God and his word. And how do we do this? How do we come to a place where we believe rightly? Well, we, we, we come to it and we express it in things like genuine worship. Genuine worship. Now, The reason I say genuine worship is because a lot of us can stand up and mouth the words when they're on the screen. And, and, and in fact, it's, it's interesting to hear the difference in songs. I was listening this morning, uh, and an acoustic set like this gives me the opportunity to hear you guys a little better. And a couple of the songs I could hear the S's. So I knew you were singing, uh, you know, this when, when the, the words are like that, but then a couple of the songs, all I could hear was these guys up here. And it's just like, why? Whoa, sorry. That's me hitting the microphone down here. It's like, why is that? Why is it that, that it's just the worship team singing and nobody else? It's because we, we're consumers. We don't worship genuinely. We worship sort ofly, <laughs> kind of lackadaisically. Kind of, we're kind of mumbly worshipers. And grace, we sound. No. Genuine worship is, is not just singing loud. It is a lifestyle of worship. But for the first, the, the first fruit of that is oftentimes singing loud when it's time to worship God. Prayer, to, to practice a lifestyle of submission, giving, regularly giving to the church, to, to good ministries, to, to honor and glorify God, Bible reading. That's why we've been encouraging you to read your Bibles on a regular basis, to, to memorize God's word. These are all part of believing. And then finally, the the idea of orthodox doctrine, making sure that we believe rightly. And some of you guys might might be of the mindset, it doesn't matter if I believe rightly so long as I just believe. 
Uh, there have actually been a couple of movie trailers. Oh, my goodness. Um, anybody else a little bit of a nerd and, and you've watched all the Indiana Jones movies, right? You, you love Indiana Jones, maybe. A couple of us. Um, well, okay, maybe not Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but still. Uh, that was, you like it? Oh, you, your thumbs up and not like it. Yeah, that was a, that was a stinker, but still. Uh, but, but there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out. Did you guys know that? Indiana Jones is quoted... And, and, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, so you'll have to forgive me. But in the trailer, he says something along the lines of, it, it doesn't matter if it's true. It just matters how hard you believe it. What? Come on, that's not Indiana Jones, first of all. And second of all, do you realize that's what our culture tells us? Our culture tells us it doesn't matter if it's true. As long as you believe, just believe. Your faith can change the world. It doesn't matter what you believe in or what you have faith in. Just believe. And so when, when I see that kind of stuff and I think about the importance of truth and where we genuinely need to believe and where belief should be placed, I want to tell you that it is critically important not just that you believe, but what you believe. That you must believe the truth. To be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. There is no question in my mind or in scripture. That if you want to call yourself a follower of Jesus. You want to call yourself a Christian. Not only must you believe. You must believe rightly. You must believe the truth. And some of you might go. Well that just sounds legalistic to me. Let me tell you why this is the case. When we talk about believing, we're talking about doctrine, we're talking about teaching and worldview and orthodoxy. In other words, seeing the world through the correct lens. And the only lens that is correct by which to see the world is Jesus Christ. He is the only means by which you will see the world correctly and understand truth. And so you must not just believe out there somehow, but you must believe rightly. Here's what R.C. Sproul says. And then we'll get to scripture. Theology is an attempt to understand the truth that God has revealed to us. Some of you will say, well, it just doesn't matter what I believe. I don't need to know all that doctrine mumbo jumbo. I don't need to believe rightly. Uh, It's not a question if we're going to be engaged in theology or not. It's a question of whether our theology is going to be sound or unsound. You see, all of us have a doctrine. All of us have a theology. All of us have a system of belief. Things we, we claim to be true. Things we think are true. The, the, there isn't a, well, I don't have to worry about that mindset. Versus, well, you know, pastors and theologians, they need to worry about it. The truth is, is that everyone has a theology. And the question is, do you believe rightly or do you believe wrongly? Do you believe truth or do you believe what you want to believe because it sounds good to you? And and not just R.C. Sproul and not just Michael, but Scripture backs this up. That there are right things to believe and there are wrong ways and wrong things to believe. And we must be focused on making sure that we believe rightly by knowing the truth. Romans chapter 16 verses 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome. Now, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them because such people do not serve our Lord Christ, 
but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words and slicked back hair and great big smiles. You see, if there is teaching that is wrong or contrary to the truth, then there must be teaching that is the truth. And we want to focus on and learn the truth. We want to believe rightly. To the extent that we will even avoid those who are teaching untruths. And when we see that they are outside the bounds of Scripture, when we see that they are teaching doctrine that is contrary to what Jesus himself taught and his early apostles teach in, their script, in our Scripture, then we will reject them. We will, we will be careful to avoid them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says this, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Paul says to the Corinthian church, I am so proud of you. First, that you remember me. And second of all, that you hold fast to the teachings I gave you. You will not compromise on truth. You will not compromise on the gospel. You will not compromise on the biblical worldview that I gave you. I'm so proud of you for that. Later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says the only means of salvation is this gospel that he'll remind us of in the coming verses. What is that gospel? That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the heart of the gospel, Paul says. And he says, hold on to that because that's what saves you. Unless you didn't really believe it. Unless you didn't really accept the truth. Instead, you, you thought your own way. You thought your own gospel. Uh, he, he goes on to talk about the gospel in, in, in later places. He wrote a second letter to the church in Corinth. And he says this, I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. In other words, if there is a sincere and pure devotion to Christ... There must also exist an insincere and an impure version of Christianity that people think is true but is not. And Paul says he's afraid we might slip into that. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach or you receive a different spirit which you had not received or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. He's making a backhanded kind of a a comment here saying... You guys are so good at believing lies. You simply give in to them. Why would you do that? There is a truth that saves. There is a gospel that renews. There is a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. But there's also lies and deception. And something that appears to be devotion to Christ, but is actually insincere and impure. That must be avoided. It is so critical what we believe, brothers and sisters. 
It is so critical that we not just think we've got Christianity down and go, hey, I'm good, but that we continue to grow in our faith, that we continue to dive into God's word, to memorize scripture, to allow him to reorient our worldview, to change our perspective. It's not just about believing in general. It is about putting your faith in the truth as revealed in scripture, turning your whole life over to it. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Here's how serious Paul is about the gospel, about the truth of Jesus Christ, about his word in the lives of believers. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not, there, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There isn't another gospel, even though there are people trying to convince you that there is. There's another way to be saved. There's another way to be a follower of Jesus Christ. No, there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. Would you keep up with him? Would you stand fast with him? Paul says this, even if we, in other words, if I come back to you and teach you something different, I'm wrong. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. The, the, the word there is anathema. Anybody heard that? You, you know, anathema. Especially if you've got a certain background, maybe that word would be familiar to you. If it's not, it literally means let them be damned. In other words, the, the, the curse for sharing a different gospel is eternal damnation. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. There is one way to believe. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in the word of God. There aren't many ways There aren't lots of opinions. Only what Jesus says, only what is revealed to us in God's word, that's what matters. That is supposed to be our worldview. That is supposed to be our foundation. That is what we are supposed to believe. 1 Timothy 1.3, Paul says this to Timothy. Timothy was actually a young pastor. Paul was trying to teach him to be a better pastor, to help him through the struggles of his pastorate. And he says this, I urged you, When I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. One of the most important things Paul has to say to Timothy in this first letter to him is to remind him, tell people not to teach lies. Don't teach their opinions. Don't teach things that feel good or sound good or make them happy. But instead, teach the truth. And what is the truth? It's what's revealed to us in Scripture and in the person and teachings of Jesus Christ. Later on in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says this to Timothy. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. In other words, if you teach and espouse false doctrine... You are reaching a point in life where you have put yourself above God. You are conceited and you have no clear understanding on anything in this life. 
Paul is saying to Timothy, the only place that you find real understanding, the only place that you find clarity is to believe wholeheartedly on the teachings revealed to us in Scripture. But uh, it goes on to describe these false teachers. They have an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. For these come, uh, from these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. We can see that, that further description and just say, oh my goodness, that's like half the people on the internet. That's everybody on Twitter, let me tell you. The thing is, is false doctrine and espousing it leads to a lifestyle of evil. A lifestyle that is apart from what God desires from us. And so not just believing in general, but what we believe matters. 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul says this in his second letter to Timothy that he writes to him just prior to his death by execution. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you would have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. If you have one letter left to write to somebody and you want to encourage them, the things that you're writing to them are going to be critical and stuff that you really want them to remember. And one of the key things that Paul wants Timothy to remember is hold to sound teaching. In other words, if there is sound teaching, there also must be unsound teaching where does unsound teaching come from anything that's not of god's word anything that is outside of 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 the the clear teachings of god's word that's unsound teaching and we're supposed to be holding on to sound teaching second timothy 2 2 what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also in other words we're supposed to learn to the point where we can teach it Grab a hold of God's word. Grab a hold of sound doctrine. Grab a hold of your faith and reach the point where you can teach it to others. The book of Hebrews tells us that that all of us as believers should be at a place where we're teachers. But instead, we're constantly needing to be reminded of elementary things and the milk of the faith. All of us should be teachers. All of us should be learning and growing and understanding our faith. Doctrine and theology should not be the things for professional Christians like pastors and professors and the guys and ladies we see on TV. That It's supposed to be for all of us. And not just in general, oh, I believe, but really knowing what you believe and why. And sourcing your beliefs from God's word. Titus Chapter 2, verse 1, another young pastor that Paul writes a letter to. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says this, but you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. We've heard that before, haven't we? Sounds a lot like what he told Timothy. These young pastors, God's word says to them, hold on to good teaching. Hold on to sound doctrine. Make it the center of your life. Brothers and sisters, it is critical that we believe, yes, but that we not just believe on something or just believe in good things or believe on Jesus out there somehow, but that we really understand what we believe and we allow God's word to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our perspectives, to shift our worldview so that we are seeing everything around us for what it really is as given to us by Jesus Christ. 
Not our own misconceptions, not by what culture is telling us everything is, but by what Jesus and his word tell us they are. Because here's the problem. And I think that this is already happening and has happened for oh, a couple thousand years. Second Timothy, Paul writes, and he says, For the time will come, and likely has already, when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truths and will turn aside to myths. This is a a verse that we all should read and measure ourselves. When we're talking about the things of faith, do we come in and do we we learn and we, we take them in as long as they make us happy? as long as they encourage us, as long as they never call us out for our own sin issues? Or do we really listen to God's word and respond to it in a way that it deserves? Because it's very possible that all of us are in this place where where we are just creating for ourselves and, and bringing to ourselves false teachers who will tickle our ears. And most of us are like, ew. I don't want anybody to tickle my ear. No, no, get the picture. It is somebody who, it's supposed to be like a pleasing experience. That's, that's why sometimes when, when you're a pastor, the worst thing you can hear is good message. Do you know why? Because it, it means you only heard it and it was pleasing to you. You weren't convicted. God didn't stomp on your heart. At least that's what a pastor sometimes hears. You know what a pastor really wants to hear? Man, I'm going to go home and change some things. Oh, yes! I'm going to memorize my memory verses. Hallelujah. I'm going to read God's word every day. Let me know what you need to help with that. I'm going to stop listening to that music. Great, I got some alternatives for you. That's what pastors want to hear. That was an aside. That was free, right? But the truth is, is that in today's culture... And we can look around and we can see it all over television. We can see it all over the, the Christian book aisles. People want teachers to say to them, whatever you believe is fine. Whatever you want to do is good. God loves you. But that's not sound doctrine. And that's not the true teaching of God's word. And so not just believing, but what we believe matters. Are we people who, who are just going to listen for things that make us happy? Or are we going to people who really genuinely listen to God's word and allow it to shape our everyday lives? This is the first step in believe, belong, reach, multiply, the, the, the faith journey we're calling you to. And I, I realize this is probably a little hard to see. If you want to see it in more detail, do you know what you can do? You can go out in the foyer. And most of you, for, this stuff is already furniture because I put it up months ago. But I want to draw your attention to it again. Out in the foyer, there are four little cabinets hanging on the wall. And on top of the cabinets, it's believe, belong, reach, multiply. And underneath are signs that tell you the steps in each part of the faith journey that you can embark on if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this first step, this first step in the faith journey is to... Believe, and not just believe, oh, I believe, but to believe the truth as given to us in God's word. And so you're encouraged to first understand the gospel. 
we got a great book out there. If you have never understood the gospel, it's called What is the Gospel? You can read that. I'd love to discuss it with you. Why do we need to understand the gospel first? Because it is the gospel by which we are saved. You cannot and will never be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you cannot or refuse to understand the gospel. And so it's important for you to understand the gospel. Second step in the faith journey, after understanding the gospel, to come to a place where you make a public profession of faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and then how do you continue to grow as a Christian to regularly attend Sunday morning services? Because guess what you're going to hear as often as I can you know, muster up the energy to preach it, right? Is God's word and the truth of his word for your life to regularly attend the gathering, to participate in daily moments of worship. And why would we call it daily moments of worship? Because I want you to get to the point where throughout your day, you pause and just say, thanks God for the sunset. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you, God, that that person didn't kill me as we were driving on the interstate. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for this moment because I feel alive. Hey, thanks that... I'm not so clogged up as I was yesterday. Thanks that my shoes feel so comfortable today. Thank you, God. I worship you. You are worthy of all of the thanks and praise. Just in moments throughout the day. To, to then make prayer a part of your daily life. And, and what is prayer? Well, Jesus tells us what it is in, in the, the Lord's Prayer. It's really an act of worshiping God and submitting yourself to his power and authority in your life on a regular basis. To make prayer a regular part of your daily life. To read your Bible regularly and intentionally. Some of you, it just needs to be the verse of the day. Get the verse of the day on the Bible app and read your Bible regularly and intentionally. Others of you, it's time to grow up. You can read the whole Bible, the whole Bible, if you just read 12 minutes and 20 seconds a day. 12 minutes and 20 seconds of reading every day for the average reader, and you can read through the whole Bible. So can you invest 12 minutes a day into your growth as a disciple? I would hope so. Read your Bible regularly and intentionally. Find a program, find a, a technique, find a tool to help you read it all. Begin to learn and understand a proper biblical doctrine. We've got a great book out there. It is called Christian Beliefs. It's just a little book. It's not that thick. But if you want to grow and understand doctrine, the nature of God, the nature of your faith, God's view on the world and mankind and sin, it's a great book to start in. And then to practice giving regularly as an act of worship. To practice dropping five in the, in, in the offering box when you have an opportunity. Moving all the way up to potentially even giving up to 10% of your income. This is part of believing, giving yourself over to the truths expressed in Scripture. So I want to invite you this year to join me and others on this faith journey. And I want to encourage you over these next couple of weeks to pay attention to the sermon, to pay attention out in the foyer, go find a sign, think, where am I at in this process? Begin to work down through the list. You don't achieve salvation by works. Hear me, you can do the whole list and not go to heaven. But if you're a genuine follower of Jesus on your way to eternity, you should want to do the whole list in order to grow as a believer, to mature as a disciple. Man, we've got to get that fixed before next week, whatever it is. 
it's me, and I'm thumping my mic pack. I'm sorry, it's distracting. But, but I want to see all of you grow from where you're at in your faith and your place as a disciple into being even more of a disciple for Jesus. And Lord willing, even sharing your faith and watching somebody else begin the discipleship journey and you helping them through it. That's the hope for this year. And that's who we are as a church. We are a church that exists not just to have great worship, which we do, not just to have amazing teaching in Sunday school, which we do, not just to have sweet snacks in the hospitality area, which we do, not just to have amazing women's and men's ministry events and studies, which we do, not just to have a great youth group or children's ministry, both of which we do. We have got all of those things. We don't exist just to do those things. We exist to know God and make Him known. To be disciples who make disciples. That's our challenge once again for this year. To see you and me growing in this and being disciples who make disciples. Let's close with a word of prayer and then we'll close with our our final song. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love for us and that you chose people even like us to share the good news of your son Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life and everyone who believes on you might be saved. And so this morning, help us to believe earnestly on you and to be willing to shed our our old ways of life, to deny ourselves, to get rid of our old way of seeing the world, to get rid of of the, the things that have led us astray and tickled our ears and instead to to genuinely look to your word for the truth that should define our lives. Help us not to just believe in feelings and and in, in intent, but to believe genuinely by allowing you to define in our lives our next steps, the way we see the world, and how it is we are to be living as believers. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for calling this group together, for calling this family of believers together. And I pray that you would bless everyone here this morning. I pray that they would burn with a desire to know you more. I pray that that they would have opportunities in the coming weeks and months and years to share your good news and to watch someone else be born into your kingdom for the first time. I pray that we might be a church who knows you, Lord, and makes you known. All of us faithful disciples who over time and with great patience and careful instruction see more disciples born into your kingdom. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you've got any questions or or, want to discuss anything with me, always know that I'm available happy to have you come and join in and uh, talk and, and discuss and grow together as believers. So let's stand together and sing our last song of the morning.
May we be so in awe of Jesus this year that we live for him wholeheartedly. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Uh, We still have the Christmas decorations up and the candles lit because traditionally this is still Christmas until Epiphany, January 6th. So if you still have your tree up, you have at least until then, you can still say it's Christmas. Uh, After that, it's a little dicey. So uh, great things going on this week. got women's bible study i believe it will be wednesday night uh thursday night we've got the uh women's round table men's round table as long as sickness doesn't get us again uh youth ministry will be eating thursday night uh 1829, we're Friday night and doing appetizers, 7 to 9 p.m. And uh, and then, of course, everything that's going on next Sunday. Men's breakfast is coming up in a couple weeks. So, guys, that second Saturday, mark your calendar. I mean, we got so much. Kimchi. Man, life is good in this fellowship. I'm so proud of, of everything that happens here and all that you all invest in one another. So, God bless you. May you believe this year in such a way that it glorifies Christ. And Erica, could you put up that QR code for the Bible app if anybody wants to get signed up for having uh, our church as your home church on the Bible app? You'll get push notifications for uh, memory verse and other things as well. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.